Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here and all of you who are online. We've been talking about you this week. That's right, our staff have been talking about our online ministry a lot this week and about how we could be a better blessing to you, how we, how we could minister to you, and how we could connect with you, how we could get to know you. It's really important to us that you're with us today online and we thank you and we welcome you here. And for all of us who are in person today on all of our campuses, I gotta tell you, Sugar Creek is back. We, we, it's like COVID didn't happen and we are uh, roaring and going and we're all back. And we can't wait until school starts even though I think some of the kids probably would love to delay that a little bit longer. But it just means now everybody will be back from vacations and hey, God is really blessing. But I wanna tell you, even though we're back, we still have somewhere between 1,700 to 2,000 online who weren't there before COVID, and God has done something, done something very special in this ministry. He has expanded our scope, and we're so excited about where we are. Now, let me tell you, I've got three questions I got to ask you, and they're really important. I'm going to ask you to really think with me about the answers for you personally. First question is simply this. How well are you living your life? How intentionally are you living your life? If you think about it, there's three options. There's three alternatives. One is to spend our life. To spend our life. What does it mean to spend our life? It just simply means that we live it out. We get up. In the morning, we, we go to work, we go to school, whichever one it is. We, sometimes it's just total drudgery. We you get finished, we come back, we're around uh, maybe people, friends in our lives, or we watch a little TV uh, on social, uh, uh, some social uh, setting with others. We do a few things, then we go to bed. And the next day, we get up and do exactly the same thing again. And the next week and the next month and the next year. And it's as though a stream of life has picked us up and is taking us down the stream. And we come to the end of our life and we die. And it is spending our life. Spending our life. There's a second option and that is wasting our life. And I got to tell you, every one of us know people who are wasting their life. And by wasting, I mean they've gotten involved with alcohol, with drugs, with, with uh, pleasure, with hatred. All these things are drugs. They've gotten involved with something that has now gotten in control of their life. And all the while they're saying, Man, I could stop this anytime I wanted to, but I don't want it to, and I'm just going to keep going. But you realize every other person said exactly the same thing. <laughs> You're no different. And what happens is one day you wake up and you can't stop it. And you are controlled by it. And all of us, we know people that have just wasted their life. Look at them. Do they realize what's happening in their life? And many of them don't. They are so out of it. And they're wasting their life. You, we can spend our life. I think most people do that. We can waste our life. But the third option is we can invest our life. We can invest our life in something that is bigger than us, something that is greater than us. We can invest our life in other people. We can make an impact. We can make a difference. You can 
You can make an impact, a difference with your life. And one day you will sit back and you, you will say, oh, my soul, I, I had no idea God could use me this way. I had no idea I, my life could make an impact. I had no idea. Oh, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Because you are living out a legacy and you one day will be leaving a legacy. We got three options. There's a second question, and that is, how do you want to be remembered? I think all of us want to be remembered. We don't want to die, and then nobody even remembers that we lived. I think all of us want to be remembered. And Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7 says, good people are remembered as a blessing. People will think of you, and they'll remember the blessing you have been in their life, the, the things that you have done, how they admired how you were living your life, the difference you made in them. You'll be remembered. So how do we live a legacy? How, how do we live a life that is remembered? Good people are remembered as a blessing. How do we do that? There are a lot of passages in the Bible that actually address that kind of idea, but there's a favorite one I have in the book of Ephesians. And I got to tell you, I love the book of Ephesians. James and Ephesians and Proverbs and, well, I guess we could go, I guess all of them. But the Ephesians has had a dramatic impact on my life. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, notice how he puts it when he says, be very careful then how you live. There's different ways to live. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Which leads me to the third question, that is, why are you at Sugar Creek? Why are you at Sugar Creek Baptist Church? Well, it might be that when you visited this place, it, you just fell in love with it. Maybe you just felt like it feels like home. Maybe you got to know other people, you built relationships. I don't know, everybody, all of us, it's a little different, but there was something that drew us to Sugar Creek and there is a sense in our heart, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is my church. Why are you at Sugar Creek? I think part of it has to be, well, I want this church to be a blessing in my life. I, I, I want the word of God, I want to worship. I, I want this church to be a blessing in my life. I want to be in small, get to know other people in small groups and all the, I want this church to be a blessing in my life. And here's what I'm asking is if you will take it then to the next thing. Yes, but also God has called you to be a blessing to God and others through the ministry of this church. To be blessed by, but also to be a blessing to. And these are the things I wanna to talk to you about today. We're in a mini series entitled, Finding My Place at Sugar Creek. Here I am, I'm at Sugar Creek. And I need to find my place at Sugar Creek. And it's not just to check in from time to time. It, it isn't just to punch a, a, a time card in. It is, I am being blessed. I want to be blessed. And I'm going to tell you, this staff wants to bless you. We want to help you. We want to care for you. We want to do our very best. But also to be a blessing, 
God is calling you to be a blessing. Now, I want to talk to you about that today. And today, I want specifically to deal with that whole legacy thing. How do I live a life of intentionality that's a legacy? Touching the lives of other people, being a part of something bigger than myself. I want to start this whole idea using this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, 17, with, the, with sort of the big view, the sort of the whole life view, 10,000 feet up kind of view. I think that's where he is when he says in verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Decide to live wisely. Decide to live wisely wisely for your whole life. I want my life to be lived with wisdom. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, all of us, as we're growing up, we learn a lot of things about life. Hey, you don't have to tell me about life. I know about life. All of us learn some things about life. And there are many, but three things in particular come to mind. And that is, first of all, life is short. I have been stunned as a pastor through my ministry that especially the last three churches that I've pastored, I have preached the funerals of children. And I have preached the funerals of teenagers. And I don't understand it. It's one of the questions I have when I get to heaven. And I, people have said to me, you get to heaven, you're not going to ask God any questions. You're going instantly, to instantly know all the answers. Well, maybe so, but if I don't, there's some questions I am going to ask Jesus. And this was one of them. See, I know there are some, I'm going to ask God, why 10 years? Why just 10 years? Why just 15 years? Why just 25 years? For some, it is 40 years. For some, it is 60 years. For some, it's 90, some 100. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Every single human being, when they get to the end, no matter what the age is, they get toward the end, and they, they will say, it went by so fast. And even if you're 100 years old, you'll be saying, you know, life was so short. It just came and gone, and I can't, where did it all go? Because one of the things that all of us have in common is that life is short, no matter how long life lasts. The second thing is that life is not just about me. When little babies come into the world, they're also self-centered. They're the most selfish people that you can ever find on the planet, these little babies, newborn babies, because in their brains, it's all about them. It's just about me. My whole universe is just about me. Now, I do recognize as a little baby that there are other people that are, seem to be showing up. Like the woman that I come to know is my mommy and not my daddy, the guy and other people. I know there are other people there, but the only reason they're here is to take care of me. That's what a little baby feels. It's what the baby, little baby thinks. And it's what little children think. But here's what happens. What happens with little children is suddenly you start seeing something that's different. They not only recognize there are other human beings, brothers and sisters and moms and dads and uncles and aunts and other people and their friends, but they start caring for them. I care about you. I want to take care of you. I want to help you. I want to bless you. And when you start seeing that as a parent, your child's growing up. 
Your child is maturing because you are now seeing your child see more than just themselves, but to see others and begin to care about others. Did you know there are some people that grow up that don't grow up? They become adults, but they only think of themselves. Life is only about them. But those who grow up come to realize life is not just about me. Life is not just about me. There's a third thing, and it's simply this, that my actions reap either benefits or consequences, that I live in a cause and effect universe, and my actions will come back either to benefits or to consequences, and I cannot stop that. These things we learn about life, they change how we think about life. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he says, now, what I'm wanting you to do is learn to live your life. Going down the stream, I want you to live your life with wisdom. And I've come to understand that wisdom is not just thinking wise thoughts or saying wise things. Wisdom is about a path. You read the book of of Proverbs and you keep hearing the path. Wisdom is about a path that's going down a a particular path that God wants to light up. God wants to show you the next step of the path. Wisdom is about a path of life. It's about finding the North Star and guiding your life by it. Sailors in the first century didn't have all the gadgets we have that sailors have today. They didn't have all that. They, here's what they had. They had a sun, S-U-N, and on the day, during the day, they knew the direction that they wanted to go, and they knew where that direction was in relationship to them, and they used the sun to guide their path. And so they knew the sun came up in the east, in the west, and so because they knew east and west, they knew north and south, and they knew how to direct the ship to go to the direction they wanted to have on the basis of what they saw on the sun. But at night, how do you, how do you sail at night? You sail by the stars. And in fact, there is one star, the North Star. They always sailed by the North Star. It's the brightest star in the sky. And once you see the, the North Star, you now know where North is and you automatically know where South is now. And if you know where north and south is, you know where east and west is. And so you guide your ship on the basis of the north star. That doesn't mean that you're perfect with it. You can get off course. You can have the wind and the waves. And then all of a sudden you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I'm off the path. And you get back together because you are guided by the north star. And for a Christ follower, the north star is the Bible. The North Star is the Bible. It will never lead you in the wrong way. It'll always guide you in the right way. Now, it will tell you to do things you don't want to do. You don't even think it's a smart thing to do. It will tell you things that every bit of the emotions in your heart will cry out against, but it will never lead you astray. And if you will do what the North Star shows you to do, the Word of God, it will always lead you in the right direction. So how are you living your life? Ecclesiastes 1 verse 3 to 8 says this, what does a person gain from all of his labor which he toils under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. 
The sun rises, the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. The, the wind blows to the south, turns around to the north, and around and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams came from, there they return again. All the things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing. The ear never has its fulfill of hearing. What is he saying? Life is meaningless. If you're caught by the stream and you wake up and you go to bed and you do the same stuff over and over and you're just, that's how you're, that's, you spend your life. It, it just takes you down a stream of least resistance. You come to the end of it. No, you, you have to sometimes swim against the stream. You, you've got to become more intentional if you want your life to impact. You can't be caught with a stream because this is where it'll take you. Bob Buford wrote a book called Halftime. Bob Buford was a successful guy in business. They were wealthy. They had, he started a company and it, his company's going great and all that. And they were living that life and he was about halfway through his life. That's why he called it half, half time. And he came to realize I'm just caught up in a stream. He came to realize that there was no intentionality or wrong intentionality in this life. He, he came to see it. And, and he writes this book to show us, show the readers how he woke up one day and how everything in his life changed. And this is a quote out of the book. Start discovering something that is buried within you. Something that's been there all along. I think God encodes in each of us a DNA. There is a physical DNA that determines whether we're blonde or brunette or male or, or female, but there is also a spiritual DNA that is in every person. It's a sense of destiny or calling or specific mission in life or purpose of life that is ours and ours alone. This is what happened to him. He discovered a destiny that he had not understood before. And here's what I'm saying to you. 10,000 foot view, looking over your life. Find the reason why you're here on planet Earth. And it's not to grow a business. It's not to do stuff. It's not to go down the stream. You're here. Why? What is the destiny that God puts you here to do? Keep your heart on the big picture of your life and let the North Star, let the Bible guide your steps. This is the big picture. Now, let's zoom the camera in on your life. Let's zoom in. On one part of your purpose, not the whole purpose, one part, one part of your purpose, why you are here at this church. What did God have in mind? And here is the idea. It's just one part. Find a place to serve as a part of your life's purpose. Just a part. Why did God bring you to Sugar Creek? To be blessed for sure, but to be a blessing just as for sure.
Ephesians 5, 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He has a will for you. He brought you to this place for a reason and why. What is it? What are you supposed to do? Don't spin your wills here. Get involved in where God intended you to be and begin to now build a sense of destiny as you are living for something bigger than yourself, as you are blessing God and others through the ministry of this church. This is the whole idea in this mini-series of finding your place at Sugar Creek. Finding the destiny, the legacy, and being a part of it. And part of it is ministry in this church. So how do you find a particular place that God has in mind for you? And I'm going to take the, some ideas that came from Buford's book that really fit scripture. And here is the idea first, determine your primary loyalty. And this is what changed Don, uh, Bob Buford's life. He and his wife hired a strategic planner to help plan the corporation that they had built and to plan, help them plan their own life. And they hired a strategic planner. And this planner, this was his job, to go in as a life coach and help design the rest of the life of that individual. And this guy they had known for years and years, and he had been their friend. And they came in, he brought, came in, and he began to work with him. And a couple of hours later, he said, you know, this, is, uh, this isn't going anywhere. So he said, look, here's, here's what I want to do. He put a box right in front of them. And he said, here is an open box. And he put a cross on one side and he put a dollar bill on the other side. And he said, I got to know what actually drives your life because I'm getting mixed signals from you. I wanna know what drives your life. What is the main mainspring of your life? And here's what I've come to see. You, you are going back and forth, vacillating between two things, Jesus and, the, and money, and I'm just asking you, I can't help you anymore until you figure out what is in the box. So here it is. Here's the box. Here's the cross. It represents Jesus. Here's a dollar bill represents money. And I'm asking you, make the decision. I can help you from that point on, but you've got to decide what's in your box. And here's what Buford says in his book. We paused a lot longer than now I realized was comfortable for us. And we sat there quietly and looked. And he said, finally, I reached and grabbed hold of the cross and put it in the box. And he said, I'm embarrassed to say to you, it took a long time. So he said, why did I do it? He said, here's where I am. Because what is done for Christ is what is eternal. Money comes and goes. And Buford said that day was the whole turning point of my whole life. That day, everything changed for me because he said, I realized that all of my life, I, God was important. But what was actually driving me was money. 
He said, that day established for me what would be the first loyalty of the rest of my life. And he said, from that day, I began to view my company as a platform for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, I had never considered such an idea. I began to view my company as a platform for the gospel instead of an end to itself. How are you living your life? Who are you? What is your primary loyalty? The second thing is discover how God made you. He's given you certain talents and abilities, and if you're a Christian, he's given you spiritual gifts, and he's given you passions of life. I, I want to tell you something just for me. When, when you're a young pastor, you're starting out in ministry, there's a, everybody's telling you how to get it done. Everybody's telling you what you should do, how you should pastor, and that's you're hearing it all the time. Constantly, they're telling you what to do. And... Some of those voices are good because they're helping to mentor you, and mentoring is a good thing. But some of the voices are, I just want you to be what I want you to be. And you can be pushed from one direction to another, but there were several decades ago, what happened in my life, I'm never going to forget it, I came to know who I am. It was life-altering for me. I came to know who I am, how God gifted me. I came to know I'm not going to be a professional baseball player, and I'm not going to win any gold medals at Olympics. I'm not going to be designing any bridges. I'm not going to be doing open-heart surgery. You're going to be really glad for that. I came to know, I knew who I wasn't, but I came to know who I am how God gifted me, how, what God led in my life to be, who I'm to be, how I'm to be it. I came to know who I am. And what happened to me is that I was now able to differentiate the voices and to ignore some voices that, that was not me, that was not who I am. And to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life, to hear God's voice in my life, to recognize other voices, does it blend in what God is saying or is it contrary? And I'm going to tell you something. It was liberating in my life. Who are you? Who are you? How does he gifted you? What, what, is, what talents, what passions of life has he given you? What, what abilities do you have? He, he has put these things inside of you for a reason. You are somebody. And he's wanting to use you. Not spending your life, but investing. He wants to use you. Discover how God made you. Third, explore ministries that put your spiritual gifts, your talents, you, your passions of life that uses those things for the greater good, for the things greater than you, that God uses these things as investments 
toward God and others. This is what I'm asking today. Last week, as we were talking about this same topic, I said, look, some of you have this personality that doesn't quit. It's just an amazing personality. You got a smile that lights up the, the room. You, hey, consider guest ministries. That you, we, we, want, we want new people that see, they just come into the church and they see you first. We want them to see you first before they see other people because you, you say something to them. We want you to be the, the first look of, of a person who's new. There are some of you, God's led you to invest in the next generation in children's ministry, get involved in student ministry to help bring them back into the fold, student ministry. And for some of you, it's worship ministry, but it's the choir and orchestra. Oh, they got enough in the choir. No, no, we need you. For others, it's missions. For others, it's, it's adult ministry. There's a new ministry. It's the newest ministry in our church. And for a moment, I just want to highlight this newest ministry. It's called Stream because it's the online ministry. It's, we're streaming and it's online ministry. And when we came to realize in the midst of COVID, we came to realize something that we had never seen before. And we said, who is it that needs to lead this? Well, it's Dave Grummy. He's brilliant in this. He's, he's the guy that God has gifted us with. And he's done an awesome job. It's unbelievable where we are. One year later, where we are. There are some ministries that maybe you did not know you could do. There are some of you that like to chat. Isn't it true? There's some of you just love to chat, love to meet new people, talk to people. You may, you're warm, you're, you're outgoing, you love to chat and talk to people and care about them and care about where they are and how they're doing. And you just have this ability to welcome. We need 20 new chat hosts in this ministry. You're not going to do work every week. You, you'd be on a rotation and you can go to a service and then chat with, be a chat host on the, the other service. And by the way, you don't even have to be in, in one of our buildings. I am amazed by this. You can be on the other side of the world. You can be at a coffee shop and be a chat host during one of our services. I'm just amazed by this. But you, you don't know all the answers to all the questions. You don't have to. But you can receive them. We can give you direction of what the answers are. You want, you are the kind of person we want someone to meet online first. And there are some of you who are prayer warriors. You love to pray. You love to pray for other people, not just yourself. And you love to see the miracles that God does. You believe in prayer. You know there is a God on his throne. And when you pray, God hears and he touches. And you want to be a part of that whole process of God changing and touching the life of somebody else. You are a prayer warrior. And we're looking for 20 new prayer warriors because involved in this whole ministry is a whole new thing I have never understood about prayer ministry that will be new, that we want to do, that's, that, that Dave Grummy is leading. We need new, 20 new prayer warriors to be a part of this ministry. So how do you do this? How do you get involved? If you're online, you can just mention it to the chat host. Where do I go from here? How do I, how do I be considered for a chat host or a prayer warrior? And if you are on at any of our campuses, go 
to the commons area when this service is over. Go to the table that says stream and talk to the representative behind that table. How do I get involved with this? Uh, what, tell me more about what these things are. I am a prayer warrior. I believe it and I want to do this. How can I be a prayer warrior for this church? How can I be a chat host? But maybe it's none of that. Maybe it's children's ministry. It's, it's student ministry. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's missions. Maybe it's guest ministry, it's adults, whatever it is. In the commons, go to the commons, see the table. I, I want to find out how I can invest back in this church. This church is not just about me. It's about me helping somebody else as well. Explore the ministries that God would want you to be. Look, you, you got to start somewhere. This is a great day to do it with all of those out in the commons areas and you've got someone you can talk to. Do it today. Get off the sidelines. Then understand that in your particular, there's a particular area of ministry that God wants you to do. You can't, we can't do everything, but God never intended us to do everything. We shouldn't do everything. There are certain things God has formed you to do. Go find what it is. Go find what it is. Here is the third principle I see in this passage. Get started now. See what he says in Ephesians 5 verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't wait to another day. Make the most of now. Make the most of now. So how do you make the most of the opportunities around you? Live in the now. Some of you have terrible experiences in ministry in some other church. I don't want to go that way anymore. You don't have no idea what happened. I wasn't all that successful in that ministry or they didn't treat me right. Here's what I want to say to you. Live in the now, not in the past. In Joel chapter one, he says, live in the now, repent of the past. And then in chapter two, verse 25, he says this, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. All these years have gone by. You could have been doing ministry, you haven't. But he says, here's what I'm able to do. I can restore the years that the locusts have eaten and I can use you far more than you realize I can. I believe in a God who's able to do this. And I'm asking you, would you get going again? Get back live in the now. Second of all, do your best for God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. This is how you, we want you to do it. Not for other people. You work for God. You're not a fill-in. You're not a volunteer. You're not just somebody doing something on the side. You're a partner in ministry. You're doing this for God, so give him your best. Be faithful. Be on time. Go to training. It's time to change the question. The question has been, I mean, honestly, hasn't it been, what is this church going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? It's time to change the question. What am I going to do for God and others through this church? In Mark chapter 14, there's a story of a woman. We don't even know her name. Mark 14, this woman a, a, a suddenly appears. Jesus has been invited by some man who wants to better understand who he is. Come to my house for dinner tonight. So there he is. He's shown up and he's there for dinner. Now, let me tell you, they, would wear, they wore sandals in that day. It's all they had. It's a, it, it, it's a sanded piece of board with leather straps. 
And they wore that. And by the time they got through the day, they had stepped in who knows what. And they needed their feet washed. And the feet washing thing was a big deal. You sit down for dinner, you need to have your feet washed. Well, suddenly there's a knock at the door. Jesus has arrived. Dinner's going to be served. And suddenly this woman knocks on the door. And yes, she said, I know Jesus is inside. Can I see him? Yeah, you can come in. And she comes in with this bottle of the most expensive perfume you can ever imagine. And she opens up the seal and she opens then up the top and she pours this this expensive perfume into a bowl and she washes Jesus feet and everybody is aghast how in the world did you do that could you have done this did you know that that perfume is very expensive you should have sold the perfume give the money to the poor you shouldn't have wasted it on Jesus even his disciples were thinking this and Jesus said to them stop right now stop right now this woman knows who I am and this woman is doing this because she loves me and because she is worshiping you leave her alone and then he said this and by the way people for the rest of history are going to be talking about what this woman did we still don't know her name but here I am talking about this woman 2,000 years later because I'm going to tell you why she did something special it was little. Washing feet, they did that every night. It was little. You know why I bring this up? Because this is one of the ways that Satan keeps us from serving. You can't do a lot. And what you did, nobody's going to even notice and care. It's so small. There is no such thing as small in serving God. And here's the last thing. Strive to always improve your serve. Strive to always improve yourself. My son, Matthew, in uh, high school was, just, was a really good tennis player. And uh, in a 5A school, he was on the varsity, was a, on the varsity squad all four years. He did really well. He, he competed well. And here's what I noticed about him. He was practicing all the time. He was improving. He was practicing his serve, getting that serve down, getting, getting the volley down. He was practicing all the time, running and get, building up his legs all the time. He was trying to improve his serve. And here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. And here's what he's saying. Solomon's saying, the longer we work for God, the duller we become unless we keep sharpening the axe. We have to make sure we keep sharpening the axe, we keep learning, keep growing, learning new things, growing, developing, practicing our serve. Because when your axe is sharp, you don't need as much effort, much energy. You can cut better with less work when the axe, your axe is sharp. Keep growing, keep developing, keep getting stronger. Now listen to me. Five minutes in heaven. Five minutes. And we're going to be thinking, I wish I would have been more intentional with my life. I, I wish I would have taken more advantage of my life. I wish I would have invested more. 
And I'm asking you to open up your heart to this today. When we finish, go to the commons. Open your heart to serving. Why are you here? To be blessed, but also to be a blessing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and I pray, Father, for all those in, on all of our campuses that are in person, all those online right now, who do not know Jesus as Savior, this, this would be the day, the day of salvation for them, that this would be the moment they would say yes to Jesus. I pray for those online to say to the chat house, I want to know Jesus as my Savior today. To those that are in person on all of our campuses to go to Next Step Center and say to one of our ministers, I want to know Jesus today. I want to join this church, whatever it is. But for most that are hearing, Father, I pray you'd move in hearts to say, I want to serve. I want to give back. I want to invest. This isn't all of my destiny and my calling, but it's part of it. God, would you use me? So move in hearts, Father, today to say, God, here I am. As Isaiah said to God, here am I, Lord, send me. Use me. Move in hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.